Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. Yay! <laughs> this is forever going to follow us for the rest of our lives, Kate. This is forever new. <laughs> forever young. <laughs> forever <laughs> young. Forever young. <laughs> Hi, Kate. Hi, Dominic. How are you today? I'm, I'm okay. A little flat, a little tired, but I'm super excited to be here today. I always get lots of energy from you on a Monday, so. Oh my goodness, I couldn't agree more. I am on school holidays, which is very exciting. And I was just saying to Dominic before that the weekend is like, I get those for free anyway during the year. <laughs> so the first Monday, and we frequently record on a Monday, you'll be listening to this on a Friday. But I am on school holidays and it makes me feel good. Sorry, kids. We love you. Kate, your teacher loves you, but. Yeah, but uh, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> give, her, give her a Kit Kat. <laughs> oh, no, oh, I do love them. You deserve it. I'm glad you're having a good start to your holiday. Thank you. And do you know what made the start to my holidays even better, Dom? Please tell me, Kate, what? The launch of our Patreon. <laughs> not only that, we launched it and then people signed up. I know. It's like magic. What's that I about? I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. So if you were listening to last week's episode, you would have heard our uh, snippet interview with Chelsea, who is our Golden Crapper Award winner. She did sign up first. I believe we launched about 8 and at 8.30 she, she had signed up to our Porcelain Throne package, which mm. is our top tier on our Patreon account. But uh, we also had a couple of other people that have subscribed too. So this is our moment for our little shout out. So I want to shout out to Chelsea and to Blake for signing up. And I would like to shout out my dear friend Parker and new online bestie Amy, who keeps writing into us with the most random shit. And I love it. So keep it coming, Amy. Um, I love it so much. But, she's from Minnesota. Yeah, she's from Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, gee. oh, darn. Oh, heck. I, I assume that's what you say over and over, Amy. Please write to us and tell me how bad that was. <laughs> she did a great job. She gave me some reference material, which I will now pass on to everybody else. Uh, think of the movie Drop Dead Gorgeous with okay. Kirsten Dunst and yeah. Alison Janney and a few other like legends. It's probably one of my favorite queer movies ever. Uh, so the fact that she knew it and she referenced it you know, you're just amazing, Amy. So Unreal. But thank you to all of our new Patreon supporters. We are forever grateful. That's right. And if you haven't signed up yet and you're listening to us, it's like four buck, four fifty or something a month. And, you know, even if you just jump on for one month, you know, you'll get a little shout out. We appreciate your support. It helps us to, yeah, keep our little train chugging along. So that'd be just so super duper. So Boopod, shall we do that? Yeah, gosh, look at our little network of things that we get through. We were just actually having almost like a 
an adult-like meeting before this. We sort of ran through what we were going to do. Like, we need to plan things nowadays. I know. We're just, we're so busy. (laughs) So busy. So busy. And what's really exciting is that we're actually almost near the end of shouting out every single one of the BooPod Network pods. So, oh my God, that's so cool. You know, saving the best for last, I will say. Uh, this week's BooPod shout out is uh, a relatively new one that joined us only recently. It's called Haunted or Hoax. And yeah, it's really quite cool. I love the spin that they're taking here. Um, and the, like the, the, the hosts, Jennifer and Kristen, they're from the States and they actually do quite a similar thing to you and I, Kate. Like they, they swap stories and a bit about their lives and stuff like that at the top of each episode. It kind of reminds me of um, My Favourite Murder as well. Nice. Um, but they do sort of more of the twist of the paranormal and... Um, and folklore and stuff like those sorts of stories. So you, you never quite know, is it a true story or is it not a true story or... Trick or treat. Yeah, it could be based on a true story and they do a little bit of digging and find out whether it's actually real or not. So it's kind of cool. They they come at it from a different perspective. So anyway, check them out. Go follow them. You'll love their stuff. They're pretty much episode for episode to us, Kate. They've just awesome. released episode 34, so... We're oh twinning. God, and this is our episode 35, twinning. Anyway, here's their promotion. Uh, check it out and go follow them. Boop, 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 Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. And we're the hosts of Haunted or Hoax, a paranormal investigation podcast where we investigate the legends and history, not just the ghosts. Our locations range from houses down in Savannah, Georgia, murder houses in the Midwest, to hotels in West Virginia. Additionally, we get together and go on ghost tours and bring the legends and history to you. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss the legends, history, and experiences from haunted locations. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye! Bye. Okay, I love you. I love you so much. It's so funny. We just have a good time. If no one else is having a good time, we are. So that's all that counts. And you can tell that Jennifer and Kristen do too. So yeah, absolutely, definitely. Please subscribe to our uh, friends at the Boopod Network as well. We love you all. And um, yeah, what an exciting time! I can't believe we've we've come this far. I know, Kate. So now that all the business is out of the way, business. I need a story. I need, oh. I've missed your voice, so give it to oh, me, baby. Thank you. One more time. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. I have a story for you, which is lucky, because um, otherwise, again, this would be a very short episode, running <laughs> approximately six and a half minutes. Are you ready to hear some cooked stories about winning the lottery? I sure am. Today's episode is called The Lottery Curse. And there are story upon story upon story upon story available. Uh, I have curated it down to three stories for you today that each have a little bit of a different flair. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's that classic winning the lottery, you know, mo money, mo problems type scenario. (laughs) Uh, And I just wanted to see how that goes because to me, you know, you think about it and you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd just love to win the lottery. I'd just bloody all life would change. 
so different in different countries. And I will take you to two countries today uh, where there's, you know, different rules around it. Uh, In Australia, where we're from, if you haven't picked up on that so far, uh, you know, the rules are completely different to to the US uh, and, and other countries as well. So it's all well and good to want to win the lottery, but this can be a survival tip episode for you if you find yourself in that circumstance yeah i mean everyone has at some point in their life gone what would you do if you won the lottery like or the what if game yeah and if you've bought ticket like everyone has everyone has dabbled with the lottery at some point in their life but not many of us have won it so that's right so here are a few examples of that but before i get into our examples it's a pop culture time Mm -hmm. so i am being um very refined and i have actually included a book in today's <laughs> pop culture oh my goodness i know right okay so the book that you can read which is about a significant lottery win uh is one that's called the winner and it's by um david baldacci mm-hmm. and uh it's a rags to riches uh story about a single mum. her name's luann tyler um she's 20 she's beautiful but she's dirt poor and she's hoping for a better life for her infant daughter And then she is offered the gift of a lifetime, a $100 million lottery jackpot. And all she has to do is change her identity and leave the US forever. Oh, God. So it's really interesting. Now, I started reading it, but it's far too long and the print was tiny. So I throw it away. (laughs) But it's a good start. I got to the bit after she like won and then she moved to the UK. So (laughs) can someone else finish it for me, please? And tell me what happens because I couldn't. It was too much. (laughs) <laughs> Baldacci just writes in such detail. He went on for two pages talking about like the street she lived on and it was too much for me. Just get into it, Dal. You want a short story. You're a short story yes. kind of gal. I am. I very much so. Uh, now, that's a book. We also have a film because mm-hmm. I like to talk about films. The one that I chose because there's a top 10 lottery films that you can have a look at on IMDb. Yep. The one that I picked is one called Lucky Numbers. Now, that stars John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow. Uh, and a few other people as well. It is a black comedy, and it was directed by Nora Ephron. Oh. She does all of the, like, rom-coms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got that really neat kind of, uh, yeah, black comedy vibe. Um, and it was inspired by the 1980 Pennsylvania lottery scandal, uh, which was colloquially known as the Triple Six Fix, and it's just a three-number lottery. Um, and then in Pennsylvania, they, they weighted all the other balls in the lottery you know, dispenser, except for four and six. Um, So four and six were the ones that were going to hit. But in terms of the combo, um, you know, it was either going to be whatever, four, six, 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 four, you figure it out. Triple six hit and like it was a combination of things. But then obviously people got sus because it was only fours and six that fit sixes that kept coming out for like a week week or two. Um, but yeah, so it's based on that, but it's a lot more Nora Ephron-y. Uh, yeah, really funny though. So definitely check it out. I will. Lucky um, numbers. That sounds yeah. a little less dark and evil than is. last week's. <laughs> yeah. And it looked, to be honest, like it's got that, you know, how's this going to work out type vibe and people getting involved and people getting jealous and people getting the down low, wanting to be part of it and, you know, trying to steal the ticket and do this and that. So it's, it's a bit of fun. Um, but it did lead really well into uh, the real life lottery stories that I want to start with. Uh, and one of them 
this was my favorite one because it's just a riot. Uh, I got a lot of this info. It's a hoot. <laughs> it's an absolute it's a knee hoot slapper. Man. It's a noise slapper. Now I got a lot of this info um, from the Sun in the UK, which is a trash garbage publication. So funny though, like they do not pull their punches. They purposely put stuff in there just to make it entertaining. I think. Um, however, this is the story of Michael Carroll. Now, oh, nineteen. Michael. Oh, Mike. 19-year-old Michael Carroll was already a small-time criminal with a police ankle bracelet on as he collected his lottery winnings of £14 million. (laughs) That's a sentence. (laughs) How good's that? He's already got an ankle bracelet on. He's going to go and collect his £14 Actually, I think that's dollars. Uh, It's pounds. It's like £9 million or something like that. But he was quickly named the Lotto Lout for buying a mansion and other lavish items, terrorising the neighbours and going through his money like water. Mm. It wasn't long before he was broke and living on unemployment with his mum. Oh. So, to give you a bit of a, uh, an understanding, the, in the UK, lottery winnings are very similar to Australia, so that they are tax-free. So you don't need to pay tax on your lottery winnings. You do need to pay taxes on different aspects. So if you gift money to someone or you earn interest on those amounts in your bank account, you have to pay tax on that. But that just gives you a bit of a, just, you know, just giving you facts, hitting you with some lottery facts. Survival, survival. Like you got to make this work. It is the end of June here in Australia, which is tax time. So, you know, some people's favorite and least favorite part of the year. Now, when Michael Carroll threw a party, the neighbours certainly knew about it. Naked women would carry around trays of cocaine and the festivities would descend into an orgy where he would bed eight women at a time. Now, the self-titled King of Chavs, (laughs) which I love, if you don't know what the word chav means, look it up, uh, whose girlfriend said that he was aroused by the smell of chip fat on her uniform, (laughs) had... He had 10 million pounds in the bank and he was going to enjoy every penny of it from the Hummers and BMWs on his driveway to the prostitutes in his bed. Now, champagne, cocaine and girls took up a huge chunk of his riches. Uh, He said that once a month I'd throw these parties spending up to 50,000 pounds. Once a month. Like, my gosh. Um, And he said I was sniffing the world away. So cocaine was obviously a fave. Um, he started taking cocaine on an industrial scale, spending up to two thousand pounds a day. So again, that's about like three thousand seven hundred Australian dollars on coke a day, uh, which is wild. Um, he told the son, "I was smoking, and the dealer bought me some white stuff and said, try that.' I tried it, and I was like, bring a thousand pounds worth around.' <laughs> and it just went from there. I started sniffing the world away. Money was no object at the time." Okay, we're not condoning drugs, just... (laughs) No, I'm just... This is exactly as it's written in The Sun, which, you know, it's probably entirely, you know, mostly fictional. Mm. Uh, But this is him saying this. This is the king king of chavs himself. Um, In every room of his house, people would be having sex. People, like, women would just go up to him and offer him sex. So they would just have all their gear off. They'd just have cocaine on silver platters. When you see some photographs of this man on our socials, you would be, I mean, there has to be a lot of drugs around. (laughs) There has to be a lot of drugs for all of these women to just be offering themselves to him 
he might have a really nice personality. He's not my type. Um, yeah. But he also, just the way he speaks and the way that he does talk about other people uh, is not great. So, yeah, anyhow. I just um, uh, did a little search, Kate, just because I had to see it. And yep. you're being too kind because... <laughs> Again, I don't want to yuck someone's yum, but that ain't anywhere near my yums. I'll be perfectly honest. Oh, lordy. <laughs> me close. That is, that is as bitter tasting as it is looking... Yeah. Um, now, he said that the most women that he had been with in one night is eight, and that's why they call me Master Mickey. Uh, right? This guy. Now, it wasn't the actual drugs that cost him um, as much. He also splashed out £90,000 on bail bonds for his druggy pals. So everybody would get arrested, and he'd be like, I'll bail you out, come back to the house, have some more cocaine. Ugh. Like, what a... Oh, yeah, he doesn't really have his future in mind. No. Well, that's what I'm getting. Um, the non-stop parties infuriated the neighbours and Carol added to their anger by racing old cars and dirt bikes around his estate at all hours, hosting demolition derbies and smashing cars up for fun. So he has, like, moved to this luxurious, almost like a gated community-type place in Norfolk. And it's this beautiful countryside and we'll also put up some pictures of the house when he bought it mm. and then the house when he moved out. Holy moly. Mm. Um, he and his pals, this is great. It's not great, it's great. <laughs> he and his pals would also drive around the Norfolk countryside in luxury cars, throwing Big Macs and nuggets at pedestrians. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I want to spend my money. That's great. Why? Um, of all things. <laughs> like I just want some piff big macs and nuggies at people. You could have been like driving around and giving food out to, I don't know, maybe drunk people on their way home that were yes. in serious need of some hangover food. <laughs> Correct. But no, he just thought he'd pelt people with nuggies and big macs. Um <laughs> goodness me. He also clocked up more than 30 court appearances um, in the years that followed his lottery win, including one for threatening youngsters with a baseball bat at a Christian sing-along. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> oh, he would show up at court in a souped-up car, swigging lager, so drinking beer, and covered in chunky bling jewellery. Lip. In 2005, he was given an antisocial behaviour order for causing thousands of pounds worth of damage during a drunken wrecking spree with a catapult. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has literally just gone, I'm going to go all out. Like, I'm not leaving anything in the tank. This is it. I um, think uh, he probably needed more. I think he was social enough. <laughs> I don't think his yeah, behavior right. was necessarily. <laughs> to rein it in a bit. Yeah, exactly. How about you just sit and have some quiet time and time yeah. out, Mickey? You Why don't be... you just stop? Big Mickey. Put your, tre put your trebuchet away and just relax. <laughs> um, now, magistrates heard how he smashed 32 shop and car windows with ball bearings fired from a Mercedes van emblazoned with the phrase King of Chavs on the side of it. I got to give him credit. Like, he is, he is committing to a character and... He is living up to being the king of chavs. Like, it, it sounds about right. Yeah, he is. He's literally, yeah, he's absolutely living up to that. Um, so this is, uh, yeah, 2005. So it's been a few years of him trying to spend all of his, you know, um, 10 million pounds. 
Uh, he, you know, that same year, so a few years down, that same year, his accountant wrote to him and told him that he's down to his last million. He's uh. blown through nine million pounds. And by 2012, so just <laughs> seven years later, Michael was penniless and had to go back on the dole for six months. Six months. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Um, Snort you swapped... lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. He swapped his um, five-bedroom, six-acre country home in Norfolk for a 500-pound-a-month two-bedroom house in Elgin, Scotland. His fleet of 20 motors, 20 cars, which included a Humvee, a Lexus, and several BMWs, they were sold off, but the money was frittered away. And today he either bums a lift or he works uh, to work or he just walks there. Oh, at so least he's he working. Like, well, yeah. Um, and he works 12 hours a day delivering coal and logs for £10 an hour. And he says he's not bitter about his change of lifestyle. He said, easy come, easy go. Going broke is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Believe me, I had a great time doing it. People often say to me, what does it feel like to have lost all that money? And I tell them, I didn't lose it. I spent it. Today, he still does the occasional lotto lucky pick and has wide, wise words. Oh, I love these wise words of advice from the king of chaps. <laughs> he has wise words of advice for future winners. Don't quit work, whatever you do. Even just a few hours a day, stay working. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am promising you this, Kate. We are yep. coming out with a King of Chavs t-shirt. Oh, we have to. And the picture of him, he's got a really good one. So he has quite a round face. He's not the healthiest of people. And he has that thing, which was super 2000s, uh, where it's, you know, if you think Backstreet Boys, I'm sure one of them had it, but he does the gel and makes like little spikes along his forehead. Oh, nice. So he's got sort of short cropped hair. It's longer at the front and he does the spikes like glued to his forehead. It's a real, oh, it's a real uh, turner honor that one. Stay um, calm and keep working. That's it. So here is a snapshot of the life and crimes of Michael Carroll. This could give it to you just in chronological order. January 2002, he was given two months in a Young Offenders Institute for joyriding. Then that's, you know, Jan, November that year, he wins £9.7 million jackpot. In May 2005, the cops storm his room at London's Tower Thistle Hotel to break up an all-night booze and drugs bender. June of the same year, cops are called to his room at the International Britannia on East London's Isle of Dogs. Carol had reportedly swung from a chandelier and blown up a television. <laughs> Fine form. August of the 2005, same year, he was fined £3,000 by JPs in Kings Lynn for having cannabis and failing to attend a previous court hearing. In June of 2005, he was charged with smashing up cars using a ball bearing gun. In December of 2005, the cops arrest Carol over alleged attack on ex-girlfriend Sam Howard. In 2005, October, uh, police are called after bouncers at a strip club in Petersburg Cams rumble with him, uh, uh, rumble him with cocaine. So they take cocaine out of his pockets mm -hmm. and he runs away before the coppers get there. In December of 2005, uh, the Sun reveals Carol's accountant has written to him to say he's down to his last million. That could be a fallacy, whatever. January 2006, uh, the Sun reveals Carol has Carol has been granted legal aid ahead of a criminal trial for a fray. February 2006, convicted of a fray and sentenced to nine months. In June of 2006, freed after serving half his term. Uh, July 2006 takes out a mortgage on uh, two of his properties, hoping to begin an investment company. <laughs> Ooh, 
February 2010, so four years later, he puts his ruined mansion up for sale. Now, when I say ruined, you need to look at our socials. It is disgusting. Yep. It's beyond ruined of what I would think. It, it goes beyond that. You need to have a look at the pictures. Uh, and then February 2012, he's given a nine-month discharge by magistrates for stealing Strongbow ciders from a supermarket. <laughs> On a budget. On a budget. He cannot afford them. So that's the life and crimes of Michael Carroll. Yeah. Uh, which was, I mean, quite the start. So he's managed to blow through that in what, yeah, nine years, something like that. That's a million a year, wow. mostly on cocaine and bailing his friends out and buying trebuchets and ball bearing guns. Look, it's one it's one option. It's one way you could go. Correct. And that's right. Again, I said I would offer you some advice. If that sounds like fun to you, then you have at it. If you want to go ahead and do that with ten million in the bank, cool. Yeah. Well, good <laughs> luck go to you, Michael. It. If you're listening, um, yeah, I, I yeah. don't think I've got much to say to you, babe. King of Chavs. We need to be careful because you'll probably sue us for that, for the rights for King of Chavs. <laughs> um, all right, switching tact a little. I'm going to tell you about the next person uh, who has a Powerball story. Now, this is in the US, and it's a person by the name of Jack Whitaker. Now, unlike many win- winners, Andrew Jack Whitaker was already wealthy when he won the world's largest jackpot ever awarded to a single Powerball winner at the time. He became a jackpot winner on Christmas morning in 2002. He chose a lump, a lump sum payment instead of an uh, annuity, so he took home $113 million, but that's from his $314.9 million lottery ticket. Yeah. Okay, so this is where it differs a little bit in the US. There are federal taxes and state taxes that you have to pay on prizes that are over 600 bucks. Yeah. So the federal tax is around 30% but it could be higher than that depending on your tax bracket. So you could be paying up to 40% on your winnings. And then the state taxes, which there's a website that you could go and have a look at. I had a quick squiz. Quite a lot of states don't have a state tax. uh, And a few of them range from anywhere between 1.5% state tax all the way up to 9%. Um, You know, so half of your money, if not more, is gone before you've even cashed your ticket. So... When they say in the US they won three they won the three hundred million Powerball, halve that and then you know all the other fees and stuff. So he ended up with one hundred and thirteen million. Not too bad an amount. Uh, now he added his hundred and thirteen uh, million to uh, already a significant amount that he already had. Um, he earned that by working his way up from poverty to the owner of a West Virginian contracting company. So he's done really well for himself to pull him up, you know, pull himself up from the bootstraps and work hard. And now he's the owner of a contracting company. Yeah. Now, when he bought the ticket, his company bought in about 15 million a year in contracts. So it's a successful Business. company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, Jack found that his lottery winnings changed him more than the wealth he'd earned himself did. Oh. Which, you know, taking it as a lump sum as well. That is the scary part here, right? Because we would yeah. all like to assume that, oh, that wouldn't happen to me. I would, you know, I'd have mm-hmm. this, the brains to not do anything stupid and become the king of chavs. Yeah. 
Yeah, and yeah he, absolutely. Clearly, Whitaker has the knowledge of finances and yeah. business. business acumen. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's already, you know, started a successful business from the ground up, which, you know, I find rather than walking into a company that's already successful, yeah. I feel there's a, a great deal of knowledge you would need in addition to uh, for starting a company from scratch. So that was what I thought when I was reading this too. Um, now, Jack did a lot of good with the money that he won. So he set up a charitable foundation. He donated money to build churches in West Virginia and even being remarkably, remarkably generous to a woman who sold him the winning ticket. He gave her a new house, a new car and heaps of cash. Aww. So that's really lovely. Um, nevertheless, the lottery curse hit him. Not all states let the winners stay anonymous and Jack Whitaker's win was widely publicized. He was deluged with people asking for money and favors. Mm. So this is another, yeah, I mean, you can choose in Australia and I'd assume potentially UK, other countries, but in Australia, you can opt to remain anonymous. You don't need to have your identity revealed, yeah. uh, which I 100% would not. Yeah. If it's an amount that's over, you know, I don't even know, five million bucks, I'd be like, no, nah, I don't want to. Leave me alone. Yeah, leave me alone. Um because nowadays, like, if you win, like, three million, people are like, oh, good for you. That's about as much as you need for the next five years. Yeah. <laughs> to, to live. Not a lot <laughs> these days. Buy a modest house, maybe pay off your car, and, yeah, you still need to work. Like, it's not, like, the cost of living's wild, but that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah. I can't even talk about lettuce that's right now. That's too scary for us. Oh, so scary. Anyhow, um, so Jack's got all of these people who are like, Hey, dude, you've just won all of this money. I'm going to look up where he lives in the yellow pages and just go and knock on the door and ask for money. Um, now, Jack had a habit of leaving large amounts of money in his car. And people started to know this and started to recognize this, um, which, I mean, I think that's a dumb move. Yeah. But whilst uh, he was at a strip club one night, good for you, someone stole half a million dollars from his car. Okay, so well, he he just left half a million dollars in his car. Yeah, was at the strip club. Got no sympathy for you, bud. <laughs> no, I know, Jack. Put it in a bank. Put it under your mattress. Mm. Like I don't, I don't know. Don't leave it in your car and go to the strip club and leave the door open and people every, everybody knows you got money in your car. Do you remember that lovely lady that you did an episode on? She had it up her foofy. Yes, she did. The Vaseline woman. Mm. Absolutely. That was our cabin fever episode. If you're wondering what on earth we're talking about. Um. <laughs> In a separate incident, so in addition to the half million dollars, in a separate incident, $100,000 was later stolen from another car. Stop putting it in your car, doll. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, to make things worse, his company, which he had no doubt worked crazy hard to, you know, create and, and run successfully, uh, his company was hit with frivolous lawsuits from people who wanted to get access to his deep pockets and it cost him millions in legal fees. Fucking hell. See, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So everything's really starting to, to you know, go downhill. Um, and Whitaker, so Jack, began to unravel under that strain. He started drinking really hard mm. and started getting into fights. Um, he was getting handsy with women and offering them money to sleep with him or take their clothes off. Uh, his relationship with his wife, and they'd been together since they were 14 years old. They were both 14 years old, had been together for, yeah, 40 plus years. Wow. Um, that relationship deteriorated, which is sad. Um, I mean, look, fair, if you're offering women, yeah, just women down the street, I'll give you two grand, take your clothes off. I, I wouldn't be thrilled mm -mm. if I was his wife. Uh, but that is by far not the worst of it. 
Um, this is when it does get a little bit heavier. Uh, but, you know, it's part of this lottery curse in terms of his, his life is spiralling. Now, Jack really enjoyed spoiling his granddaughter, Brandy. He gave her a huge allowance. He gave her four cars. However, his generosity backfired when her wealth attracted a bad crowd. Is it Brandy with a Y or Brandy with an I? With an I. Mm, Brandy with an I. So, um, you know, that's not her fault. No. She didn't name herself, I guess. Uh, but anyway, her, you know, her generosity, so his generosity, um, you know, attracted a bad crowd for, for Brandy. Mm. Now, a boyfriend of Brandy's died of an overdose in a house that Jack was developing and Brandy was implicated in that Ooh. overdose. Um, friends wouldn't even let her attend the funeral of, of that boyfriend, oh. uh, which is a bit sad. And years later, Brandy herself was found dead under suspicious circumstances and the case was never solved. Oh, goodness. So poor Jack is like the deaths had an absolutely devastating, you know, effect on him and his family. Um, his daughter, so Brandy's mum, was found dead seven years after he won the jackpot. Whitaker's wife divorced him. And then he lost all the people that he loved and the money he won. And he blames his lucky, inverted commas, windfall. He said, since I won the lottery, I think there is no control for greed. I think if you have something, there's always someone else who wants it. I wish I tore that ticket up. Oh, God. Yeah. So that took a little bit more of a, a downer turn where that generosity of him just wanting to, you know, care for his granddaughter and give her stuff and just spoil, 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 which I would want to do. Yeah. It just turned out really badly. Um, yeah. So it's super sad ending for that one. Yeah. But, Cause yeah. you've got to think it's not just the person that's winning. It's mm. what it's the money, what that money does to all the other people that are around all the other people that's around that's the winner. Like it is. That's it. Exactly. You, you may be the winner and have all the highest ethics and plans and, you know, I've, how many times have I heard people say I would give a set amount to each person in my family, blah, 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 blah. But I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's great. But yeah. you don't know how that's going to affect them, their relationships, right. their exactly. children. Can you trust yeah. that everyone that you give money to is going to behave and act in an appropriate yeah, an way? an appropriate way. I know. It is a genuine... Like it's a conundrum because straight away if someone goes, you know, oh, would you like to win the Powerball? Oh, yeah, I'm going to buy a ticket. I want to win it. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's it's a double-edged blade for sure. Yeah. All right. So that's our unfortunate story of Jack Whitaker. Uh, now I'm going to tell you a story about Abraham Shakespeare, not a made-up name. Okay. Abraham Lee Shakespeare. Now, Abraham, uh, also in the States, uh, he was a casual labourer. And he won a $30 million lottery jackpot in Florida. So he would have had to pay federal tax on that. There's no state tax in Florida, just for those keeping tabs. <laughs> uh, now, on November 15th, 2006, uh, Abraham Lee Shakespeare and his co-worker Michael Ford were headed to Miami when they stopped briefly at the convenience store in Frostproof to buy drinks and ciggies. Ford got out of the truck and asked Shakespeare if he wanted a soda. Shakespeare instead asked Ford to buy him two lottery tickets. And Shakespeare said that he paid Ford for the $2 for the tickets out of five bucks he had on him that day. Ooh. So Shakespeare is, he hasn't got much money. He literally had five bucks on him for the day. He's asked Ford, get me a couple of lotto, lotto tickets. And then he said that he paid Ford 
for those tickies. Mm. However, here we go. Ford, yep, Ford later approached Shakespeare demanding a share of the jackpot of no less than a million dollars, which Shakespeare refused to pay, prompting Ford to sue Shakespeare and alleging that Shakespeare stole the lottery tickets out of Ford's wallet. The jury did not believe Ford stole a lottery ticket story and Shakespeare prevailed in the courts. Um, So that was, you know, his first little court win. But already, like straight away, he buys the tickets, wins 30 mil, and there's drums, like Mm. from the get-go. So Shakespeare had chosen a one-time lump sum cash payment of $17 million. So um, they can choose to have it in annuity so they can get X amount per year. Uh, But again, it depends... When I was reading about it, they were saying that like it's actually better for you to take it as a lump sum because then you've got the cash and then you can invest it and you can, mm. you know, potentially put it in bank accounts and things um, or buy a trebuchet, whatever <laughs> is your chosen flavor. Um, because the people that receive it as, you know, each year, they have to pay taxes on that as their income and it might not necessarily work out yeah. as well. And you can't um, action on that, that cash yeah. and reinvest. You've got to, yeah, I understand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so he's got 17 million bucks. He moved out of his working class neighborhood in Lakeland, Florida, and he moved to a gated community. Uh, several months after his lottery win, apart from a million dollar home, his only other major purchases included a Nissan Altima. So it's a pretty modest Practical vehicle. Car. He hasn't gone out and got like a Mercedes or a Beamer or something. Um, and he bought a Rolex watch from a pawn shop. Oh. So he got like a second-hand one, which, I mean, also lovely. A Rolex is a Rolex. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was it. He bought a house and a Nissan Altima and a Rolex from a pawn shop. They were his purchases. So uh, now friends stated that Shakespeare had grown frustrated with the apparently constant appeals for money from both hangers-on and strangers. Mm. So just we, like people he didn't even know. We're asking him for money. And this is not as much as Jack won. Like, this is 17 million. Jack won 113. Yeah. Um, so it's not as much. But Shakespeare told his brother, look, I'd have been better off broke and told a childhood friend, I thought all these people were my friends, but then I realised all they wanted was money. One of these hanger honorers uh, was Doris Donegan, or Dee Dee Moore. <laughs> now, The Dee way Dee. you say that is just... <laughs> is so vile a name, I think. Doris Donegan. You're going to know why very soon. Okay. I've been reading about Doris all day. It's been a Doris kind of day. <laughs> uh, now, Doris Dee Dee Moore, she launched a business with Shakespeare. So she called it Abraham Shakespeare LLC, and she gave herself control of the firm's funds. Uh-oh. What a move. Yeah. Uh, so Moore subsequently withdrew a million dollars just to herself and she bought herself a Humvee and a Chevy Corvette and a truck before she went on vacation. So she's like, this will work. She claimed later on that that money was actually a gift from Shakespeare. But I mean, I think she's just like, Hey mate, I, you know, would love to be friends with you. Let's start, I'll start up a business for you. I've got all this business acumen. I'm going to take a million Buy a Hummer, buy a Corvette and a truck and I'm going on vacation. Thanks. See you, bye. Like you don't even need, I'm a car lover, Kate. We love cars, yeah, both of us. We but do, yeah. You don't need to buy three cars off the bat like that. Yeah, exactly. And I would just be keen to just finalise, you know, the last couple of payments on me 
Hyundai i30. Yeah. It's a ripper. Beep, beep. It's a good one. Um, feel free to sponsor us. Thanks, Hyundai. Okay, so we have gotten to, you know, uh, Dee Dee taking a million bucks to do what she wants. Now, on November 9th in 2009, Shakespeare's family reported him missing. They stated that he had not been seen since April of the same year. What? So this is six or seven months in 2009. He's gone missing. So he's living his life in his million dollar house, you know, and he's got his Nissan Altima and his Rolex. <laughs> Nobody's seen him for, you know, almost a year. Um, so they're getting a little bit sus. Um, family and friends had originally hoped that he'd taken his money and he was living on a beach in the Caribbean. Uh, but a tip-off led investigators to the backyard of a home that was purchased by Dee Dee Moore, where Shakespeare's body was found buried 2.7 metres underground underneath a newly constructed concrete slab. Shakespeare was 42 years old. Fucking hell, Dee Dee. What mm. are you doing, girl? Deeds. Deeds. Dirty deeds done dirt cheap. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Now, the Hillsborough County detectives say that Shakespeare died on April 6th or 7th. So nobody knew where he was until November. Nobody called the alarm, like sounded the alarm, until November. Um, she thought she got they, away with it, like fully. Yeah, I know. I think she did. And it was, it was interesting because police didn't take more into custody until February 2010. So November... They found the body and then they're obviously investigating for a few months and they took more into custody to February 2nd, 2010. Um, and a judge set a $1 million bond. Mm. So hopefully she wasn't able just to transfer that to herself. And... <laughs> From Abraham Shakespeare, <laughs> LLC. What a name. Yeah, what did it I do? <laughs> now, the police stated that Dee Dee Moore had tried to convince an acquaintance prior to this. So a week before... After the death, she tried to convince an acquaintance to come over and move the body. So she's like, this is going to be bad for me. Can you please come and move the body? Um, And she had tried to continue through this whole time to convince people that Shakespeare was still alive. Yeah. So a little brief bit about Dee Dee. So obviously she's come into Shakespeare's story by, uh, you know, being his friend Mm. and then somehow getting into the point where she's able to start this company. Prior to meeting Shakespeare, Moore was convicted of insurance fraud and falsely reporting a crime. She served a year of probation. She filed for bankruptcy in 2002. So this is six years before she met Shakespeare. And she's just like, that's my next next go. That's my next um, fraud that I'm going to commit. And that's the one. Yeah, con artist to the the death. Yeah. Now, I really love this, um, this description. So before police found Shakespeare's body, Moore said, <laughs> this is good, I like this. Moore said that Shakespeare had decided to leave town and had gone to Texas, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, or Orlando, or was sick in hospital. <laughs> <laughs> She's just literally just like, I think he's in Texas. Thank you, No, pick. Jamaica. No, Puerto Rico. Oh, no, I think he went to Orlando. Maybe he's in hospital. <laughs> oh, God. If you're going to be a liar, if you're going to be a con artist, be a good one. Right? I know. Uh, now, she also said that Shakespeare was tired of people asking him for money, so she helped him leave town. False. She, I mean, she did help him leave town, but mm. in a permanent sense. Yeah. She did not <laughs> do that. After police found his body under a concrete slab in the backyard, uh, she put her, she, she threw out her boyfriend's name. Um, 
So she's like, it was my boyfriend. And then she would tell people, like, tell the police different versions of what had happened. Yeah. Um, she tried to blame drug dealers. She tried to blame a lawyer. She even tried to blame her 14-year-old son. So she has zero scruples, this bird. She is, she doesn't care. She's like, anybody who is within eyesight of me, it was them. Yeah. <laughs> it was them. My goodness. I mean, there's oh. one way to try and throw red her- herrings, but Herring. as, yeah. as soon as you start throwing your boyfriend, your son, everyone, and exactly. better call Saul. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> now, she later said that then she killed Shakespeare in safe self-defense. Um so she's just like, yeah, it was self-defense. Oh, no, I did kill him. No, I didn't kill him. It was the drug dealers. I think he's in Texas. Is it Puerto Rico or hospital? But it was my 14-year-old son. Uh, so obviously her defense is going really, really well. In Jamaica, man. <laughs> in Jamaica, man. Uh, now, soon after the disappearance of Shakespeare, Moore, who was living in Shakespeare's house, she kept using his phone and sending text messages to his friends and relatives pretending that she was Shakespeare. Now, recipients thought that they didn't sound like him and it was a bit suspicious because here's a hot tip, Dee Dee, you want to do some background checks? Shakespeare was illiterate. Uh. So he can't be sending thesis text messages to his mates because he doesn't, that's not his, that's not his favorite thing to do. Uh. He's not really able to because he was illiterate. So she did not do the background work on that. Kate, anytime we have stories of people who are trying to mimic mm-hmm. and do this sort of thing, it never works. It just no. never works. The legitimate next thing that comes out of any storyteller's mouth is the close family and friends just mm. didn't quite think this didn't matched up think. with the... And I'm like, well, of course, it just doesn't work. Don't try no. it, Dee Exactly. And when people texted, so they were receiving these messages from Shakespeare, inverted commas, but when people texted the phone back with questions that only he could answer... Uh, Moore didn't respond. Yeah. She's like, well, that's too hard. I don't know where your moles were on your body. I don't, I don't bloody know what your favourite Doritos are, whatever. Um, now, during the same time, Moore was trying to make it appear that he was alive. She also tried to find a person who's going to take the blame. And she did offer, um, <laughs> she offered $50,000 for someone to dig up the body and move it to a different location. Uh, but they didn't, they didn't take that offer, believe it or not. Good on them. Yeah. Uh, so property records show that Moore's company, so she had another company, American Medical Professionals, I'm sure it was really great, uh, that that company had bought Shakespeare's house. So she's just like stooging this guy all over. Like it, he's not even alive <laughs> like, at this point. He's real, he's real rough. And she's, you know, buys the house. Um, Orders a hundred trebuchets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> King of chavs parked in the driveway. <laughs> Now, Moore told investigators she paid Shakespeare $655,000 for his home and then paid $185,000 for outstanding loans, um, but there were lots more. However, there's actually no evidence that she paid Shakespeare anything. So, again, she's just lying. She's just full of shit. Like, just just stop it. Mm-hmm. Just stop digging a hole for yourself. Um, now, Moore even offered the mother of Shakespeare's two sons a uh, $200,000 home if she would lie to detectives and say that she'd seen him recently. And she also paid $5,000 to a relative of Shakespeare's to give Shakespeare's mum a birthday card and imply that it was from him. Oh, my God. So she's really trying hard here. But unfortunately, Dal, this is what we call a like a chain of evidence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you are leaving. Like 
if you're sending these texts and you're you're paying these people, they then become people that can testify against you. That's how that's how it can work. Oh. You dumb dumb. Uh, now through the investigation, it was learned that um, you know she'd once staged a scene to fraudulently keep a vehicle that was in danger of being repossessed. So again, this just goes to character. She was falling behind on the repayments, so she hired someone to store the car in a gar- in a garage. Then she pretended that she was kidnapped, sexually assaulted, carjacked. Like she's really going for it because she doesn't want to pay her, her car bills. Um, investigators claim that she taped her own wrists together and threw herself from someone else's car so that it would look like she had been kidnapped and assaulted and all of this ridiculous garbage that she's making up. Uh, believe it or not, she later pleaded no contest to the charge and received probation. What? But on December 10th, 2012, Moore was convicted of first degree murder for the killing of Shakespeare and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole with an additional minimum sentence of 25 years for possessing a gun in the course of a violent felony. So she shot Shakespeare point blank. That's not a great thing. No. Um, Doing some further reading. Now, I did condense this story a little bit because it was part of, you know, a little three, three-parter. three uh, There is so much detail because it's, you know, obviously public domain. Yeah. You can go through and read a heck of a lot about this. It's, yeah. Um, he was just the real little snapshot bio that was on one of the articles that was on a website. I was reading about her. Now, prosecutors said that Moore befriended Shakespeare in late 2008. She claimed that she was writing a book about how people were taking advantage of him. <laughs> how ironic. Uh, they claim that Moore later became his financial advisor. She eventually controlled every asset that he had left, including his home, the debt that was owed to him, and $1.5 million in annuity. Uh, she ultimately sh- uh, swindled Shakespeare out of that fortune. She shot him, buried him under a concrete slab in the backyard. Now, jurors uh, deliberated for more than three hours before finding more guilty of first-degree murder. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah, done, job done. Uh, the state's, state's attorney said that she got every bit of Shakespeare's money. Um, he found out about it and he threatened to kill her and then she killed him first, allegedly. Okay. Um, now, they were saying there was no other um, potential suspects uh that yeah no they were not really going to consider anybody um having said that you know it was brought up that a lot of people owed mr shakespeare money um one guy owed him a million dollars apparently but the police focused on dd uh and they didn't really put a lot of thought into to other people um but yes judge emmett battles instructed the jury that it could convict the 40 year old of a lesser charge uh however yeah i mean he just called her one of the most manipulative people he'd ever seen she was cold calculating and cruel and ultimately sentenced to her life in prison plus an extra 25 for having a gun nice work dd wow i must admit when i hear stories like this people who are swindlers and there's lots of stories out there and maybe we'll do more of them one day but anytime i hear of a story of someone like dd that does such cold-hearted, horrible things to people. It is the closest I get to, like, that schadenfreude or not even schadenfreude. Like, I love hearing about people like that brought down, brought to justice. I wish that I could watch a a collage video of all the swindlers ever caught out 
yep. and put to jail. It would just it would done, give yeah. me such joy to watch that. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. And I think you know, from all intents and purposes, and I, I didn't read, uh, you know, too much further detail about um, Shakespeare about Abraham Shakespeare, but you know, like when they put in there that he just bought a Nissan Altima and he just bought a house and he bought a, a secondhand Rolex, you, you know, you kind of feel for the guy that he did get swindled so much. Like, yeah, this is a guy whose education wasn't maybe so tops because he's he's not, you know, he's yeah. not literate. He's, yeah, I feel for him. I really do. And I feel for Jack and in some way, shape or form, I kind of feel for Michael because you just, I mean, Michael give or take maybe a little bit, but certainly in the sense of, yeah, you don't want that stuff to happen, but it's just that cautionary tale of the lottery curse and there's so many stories, but they were the three I chose to highlight today. Well done, Kate. Yeah, we definitely started off in la-la, happy, silly, yes. stupid, poke fun land and we've ended with quite a know, brutal murder. With a body buried underneath a slab of concrete oh. uh, and a life sentence plus 25 years. I think too, I would have loved to have gone into further detail because I found that, you know, that Dee Dee Moore story was was really fascinating and there was a lot more detail about interactions that they had. Yeah. But I just wanted to give you the I just wanted to give you the the summary of that one. Mm. So I'm sure someone else has done a a pot on that as well. But thanks for listening to my story about the lottery curse. Well done, Kate. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you find some of the most interesting stories, I swear to God. <laughs> Well, I was going to try and tie in a little bit about, um, you know, your your father's fear of not having enough money to retire. Mm. Um, but that is essentially an episode in and of itself. And I'll, I'll go into some strange tangents on that one. That's for sure. Yeah, we, we won't <laughs> we won't ruin the surprise on that one. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me, Dom. And thank you to our listeners. And don't forget to yeah sign up for our Patreon, even just for a month. And it's yeah, it's like $4.50. You can sign up for our um you know our our brick bricky crew and that would be great because we really love you guys and thanks for listening to us love you all check out our socials and tiktok we have a tiktok account now so go look at all of our funny reels it's it's super cool so love you talk soon see you next week bye That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.